Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, together with Guinness. Hello and you're very welcome to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby here on Joe, together with Guinness. Loads to talk about on the sh- today's show, uh, starting of course with the epic battle of the Titans between Leinster and Saracens in St. James's Park on Saturday. We have an interview with Munster coach Jerry Flannery from last week before uh, he and fellow coach Felix Jones announced they would be leaving the club at the end of the season. We look ahead to the two Pro 14 semi-finals this weekend. We'll also uh, have a very knowledgeable and often prophetic Jack Carty joining us on the phone as our Game of Thrones correspondent this week, um, where we will try and kind of desperately make some sort of comparison between <laughs> rugby and Game of Thrones, uh, which we always do, of course. It's, it's, it's never difficult. We never have to... No, it isn't. Is it? We never have to dig too deep for it. Yeah. And we've poor David Shanahan's gotten the heave-ho because... Uh, <laughs> he was drinking on the job. <laughs> he was drinking on the job last week. <laughs> so we brought back Jack Carty. Uh, so that's all coming up. Trimby, how are you doing? Great. Yeah. Yeah, great. Your haircut is very nice. You're Thank you. Great. Thank very you. Sharp. I had one, one comment said that one, one person commented and, and made the point that one comment. One comment <laughs> said yeah. <laughs> uh, to your face. It, or is this online? Yeah, on on Instagram. But okay. it's a fr- I know I know the person. Okay. They said that it made my face look sharper. Yeah. Like more angular. Yeah, I th- I took it as Pointy. a compliment. Yeah, yeah not so much. <laughs> <laughs> You're moving away from chiselled. Com- complimentary chiselled. Okay, yeah. take it. I'm done with chiselled. <clears throat> Did you get this haircut to when you were going to Liverpool? Because I know of all the places on the planet to be <clears throat> on Wednesday morning. Yeah, you were in Liverpool Football Club. Yeah, yeah. Tell us why it was wasted on me a what little was bit. It like I'm Christ. I'm a little bit of a, a football fan, but not. I was a football fan. Actually, interestingly, you talk, you and Flannery talk about 90s football. That was kind of the time whenever I knew most about football, when I used to get Goal magazine. Oh, and was shoot. it Shoot? shoot yeah, I thought crazy. I was going to say score. It is Goal and yeah. Shoot. <clears throat> and then get um, the posters and stuff and put, put them up. Anyway, that's when I knew most. Okay. That's when my football knowledge was at its yeah. highest. And it's been in decline ever since. So, that, so much so that it's now fairly non-existent. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so... This business that we're working on at the minute, we're trying to get this technology platform working in other sports teams. So we were just over finding out about Liverpool and United, actually. We were at Carrington as well on the Tuesday and then watched the Liverpool game in, in Manchester on Tuesday night. The next day, then we were like, would you believe <laughs> we're heading in to see the Liverpool lads after they beat Barcelona 4-0? So the doctor at Liverpool <clears throat> is a guy called Andy Massey, a guy from Bangor, just down the road from uh, Belfast. And uh, so he invited us in just for a chat to find out how things operate and what platforms they're using. And uh, Salah walks into the room whenever we're in the meeting with Andy Massey. We're like, not now, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we went upstairs, he invited us up for lunch and all the boys were up there. And I, I, I did, again, I think it was, the, you know, is it Origi? The guy who scored the first yeah. goal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I was there. I think that's him. I think it's him anyway. And I was so close to being so potholy. Yeah. Here, you the fellas scored that first goal. That's <laughs> unbelievable. Like, I can't believe so you were there. It was all going well. And then um, uh, I didn't pick up on this until afterwards. And then the guy that I'm working with goes, that seemed to finish quite abruptly, didn't it? And then, because we, we met Klopp, actually, just after lunch. Klopp went past, hey, fellas, whatever. And then he had a chat with the doctor that we were with. And then we 
think that maybe Klopp told the doctor to get rid of yeah. it. <laughs> Bit of secret code word. Yeah, because they kind of had a wee chat to the side, and then it was we were out of there five minutes later. Oh no way! Yeah, uh, I just I've seen those gifs and those memes where. Uh, do, do you know what they, they stick a player's head on to, like what Gary would do for us here we'd stick yeah. a player's head on on like where he took Jacob Stockton yes. and put him on Tom Cruise's wear and you see them when it's like uh, Klopp working into walking into work the next day and he's yeah. like I'm walking on sunshine <laughs> and he's just his head bobbing around yeah. is that the kind of the way they were that's the way they were you actually saw them working, walking into work yeah, yeah. They were, they, the to be after. fair there was some buzz they were all absolutely loving life Unbelievable. as you can imagine Wow, that's one for the grandkids, man. Because that was a f- probably one of the best football games of all time. Or it results. Was, I don't. I don't watch that much football, so mm. be the. I really watch the odd Champions League game. Mm. I would never watch um, Premier League yeah. games. Really, I'm a Villa fan, so I was back on the horse <laughs> yesterday. Watching. I never even watched rugby. Like. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. We'll get you to Game of Thrones. Okay. Uh, well, we might as well start at the absolutely epic clash between Leinster and Saracens in St James's Park yesterday. Uh-huh. I've watched 100% of the games that we're going to discuss. <laughs> <laughs> well done. We're expecting a lot from you. So uh, it was the game that was heralded as the the clash or the decider of the the two best teams of the last decade in the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah. Which I suppose is fair enough. Um, Saracens came out on top, becoming the leading English team in the European in European Cup history. Um, with a phenomenal performance to be fair. But ten minutes ago Leinster were still in touch um, and they did put up a serious fight. Uh, what are your overall thoughts? My overall thoughts are that they put up a serious fight, but they were always second best, mm. I think, anyway. Um, I think I think there's a, there's a decent gap between Saracens and Leinster, and I think there's a decent gap between Leinster and everyone else. Mm-hmm. And the rest of us are all just scrapping it out <laughs> yeah. to be like bronze medalist yeah. miles away. Yeah. I do, that's what I think. You reckon, yeah? I do, oh, and I think, um, just think Saracens, that, um, in the first kind of 20 minutes Owen Farrell talked about this about how one or two passages didn't go to hand there was a couple of turnovers but they looked so threatening mm. um, and against Munster all those went to hand and then I think they were very dominant and I think they were just very close to if that had happened if they'd set the tone that early um, then don't think Leinster would have even had that purple passage I think Saracens were incredible mm. I really do I thought they were amazing and I thought um, there were some massive performances. Um, Will Skelton was massive. Funapola was enormous. Um, Liam Williams mm. was just has big moments today. out of this world. He was so good. When you look at him, you just don't expect him to be so physical and so dynamic. He's he's a wiry wee fella, mm. but he dominated James Lowe. Did didn't he? And Lowe did well. Like Lowe is physical, abrasive, dogged. You know he was getting in taking big hits but riding them and fighting a bit out but Liam Williams was those two had a great wee battle actually Um, but I just thought Saracens were unbelievable yeah they were to be fair Um, a few big moments in the game I thought it's OJ's yellow card and Leinster's try was a huge (coughs) moment and uh, a bit of a swing as you said the first 20 minutes um, apart from Leinster's opening uh, penalty Saracens just controlled it and yeah dropped a few balls in their 22 that kind of let them down but um I thought for for Leinster to 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 come back into it with that Carney break yeah um put the pressure on it told you get gives away a, a penalty yellow card 
Leinster have the ball to go for uh, scrum, try, and then you're like, wow, that was out of nowhere. They're 10 points up, yeah. haven't been down for, uh, or have not had the ball for 15 minutes. And then... Uh, they had to work so hard for everything, <coughs> Leinster. They did. They typically... Anybody else and uh, Ringrose, when he gets moving his feet, you know, he mm. would make, get his nose through, might get an offload. Um, Jordan Armour, same thing, once he gets kind of dancing, mm. he just, he, these boys just got hit hard every single time. time yeah. um, uh, yeah, There's probably only two moments where. Jack Quinn, he was the same, sorry, he was getting yeah. bashed as well. These guys, they, have, they run amok when they're playing anybody else, and Saracens were just going, no, we're not having it. They yeah. met everybody. Yeah. Sorry, um, interrupt you there. No, no, I think you're right. Um, there was only a couple of moments in the game where, where Leinster uh, looked like they were they were threatening and had control. Um, and then that infamous five minutes before the first the end of the first half where Saris got a peno and then Leinster had the opportunity to kick it out on half time but didn't uh, put up a box kick through Luke McGrath. Vonapolo took it. Carney got on the wrong side. They very cleverly just they, were, they had no interest in getting that ball back, didn't they? They yeah. were trying to, and they were yeah, just yeah, pinning yeah. Carney in there. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. ref! Yeah, and you could it, see Garces was like, "Ah, oh, I'm going to have to give this, but <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't." I still think that's fair enough, though. It is. Yeah. I still think you shouldn't get there. Yeah, um, and then yeah, Leinster. What do you think of that? They had, you know, a lot of people uh, making a big deal of it. Yeah, I think it's. I think too much has been made of it. To mm. be honest. Um, I think um, Leinster, am I right in saying they were in around halfway? They put mm. a couple, up a contestable off Luke McGrath that was landing just outside outside Saracens 22. Mm-hmm. So if you've got Carney chasing that and you've got the chance of a contestable, which when Carney's under it, it's probably slightly more than 50-50. Mm-hmm. You know, I know Vinopolo's okay in the air, but no one's as good as Carney is in the air. Mm. And I think whenever you look at that, and if you forget about what happened afterwards, look at the decision they made there and then. Why would they not play? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, hundred percent play, and you've got you've got a seven point lead. Well, sorry, the 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 lead doesn't come into it because there's so much rugby to be played. Mm-hmm. I just think you definitely play there. You've a chance of getting the ball back just outside Saracens twenty two and maybe picking up another three points before the end of the half. Yeah, they weren't to know that Connie was going to give away a penalty. Then they were going to uh, have a set piece and run halfway, give away another penalty, then <laughs> line out, and then they were they were going to score off it. Like, how can they? Yeah, anticipate that. For me, like, like Pat actually asked the question to Johnny Sexton in the post-match interview. Pat was getting under Johnny's skin he again. Did, he did. He went for it. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I kind of um, the press conference started and and the boys were all there. And normally, what you kind of do in those situations is you kind of you butter the players up a little bit. You try and ask a general question at the start. But I just saw Mark Jones, uh, their their main press guy from the EPC or. He was just waving <laughs> a microphone at me. And I was like, I'll take that and I'll ask the question that I want to ask. So I kicked yeah. off by asking Sexton that about why did you keep playing? So Yeah, I think your point on the fact that they, they scored against Toulouse in the exact same mm, position yeah. uh, in the quarterfinal or in the semifinal where they, they took a, a gamble before halftime and got a result out of it. I take that as a fair point, but like as you said, they had to work so hard for everything in this game. Yeah. To go in 10-3 up at half-time was a massive achievement for them, in my opinion. And look, the hindsight is everything, but I just think that's, that was a huge point, a huge turning point in the game and such a shift for, for, uh, of momentum for Saracens. But I think you have that audio there for us now, Pat, do you have the... Yeah, yeah I, the I, I'd actually just... Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you on that one and say, 
I think they should have kicked it out as well. Mm. But uh, here's what Johnny Sexton thought about the whole thing. <laughs> Lads, honestly. Nah, honestly, why, Zob? Why on earth would you kick it out? It does, this doesn't make any sense. This is the cup final. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and they've got a great opportunity of, of attacking Saracens. They didn't, as you say, they didn't get that many opportunities. Why would you and kick I don't, it out? See, I don't, I don't think it was, uh, it was in a, they were in a strong position, as you, as you say there. I think they'd, they'd gone backwards a little bit. And it wasn't Maybe. like... They, I can't remember the exact... Yeah. To be fair, I can't remember no, exactly they, what they'd it gone like. backwards a bit and it was like... It wasn't as they, someone said where they were in a good position to put pressure on Saracens. I don't think it was like that. Yeah, it just... I know I can't remember exactly who, who was where and how set up they were for the buck kick. Yeah. But for me, if Luke McGrath <clears throat> has the opportunity to put a contestable and you've got your best chaser, one of the best chasers around in the air contest mm. uh, for contestables... Why would you not? That's not... You're not mm. rolling the dice there. That's a yeah. sensible decision for me. Yeah. And you two are completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we'll hear from Johnny Sexton now and see what he... I think he agrees with you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> he always does. Johnny, just from um, from your perspective, being out on the pitch, um, one of the crucial moments might have been just before half time when, when you guys had that attacking rook on the halfway line and um, just decided to keep playing. I know that tactic worked against Toulouse, but... Uh, end up costing you guys that try before half-time. What, what was the thinking out on the pitch at the time? I think, well, our thinking at the time was to stick the ball on uh, Billy uh, Vunipola, who was standing on the 22, and try and win the ball over over his head and try and get a two-score lead before half-time. Uh, obviously, when you kick the ball as close to their 22, you don't want to concede a penalty, and then you don't want to concede another one and you know be defending a 22 line-out. So... Uh, your decisions are as good as they are in hindsight. We made a ballsy decision when we were training it up to go for a scrum and not take three points. Um, and obviously it's a great decision because we score. Uh, it's not a good decision to box kick it uh, when you when you cough up a 10-3 lead. But, uh, you know, that period just before half-time um, and that period just after half-time where we had uh, maybe two or three chances to score. Uh, that's how it felt anyway when we were in their 22, pounding away at their line, and we got so close to their line a couple of times and we didn't take advantage of the overlap or we coughed up a couple of offloads or turnover on the deck. And obviously that 20-minute period before and after half-time was, was crucial in the end. All right, that was Johnny Sexton. Um, but I suppose, look, more on Saracens. Why are they the number one team in Europe Um for me, they have an incredible game plan and a style of play, and they just absolutely nailed it on the day. Um, defensively, the line speed, um, attitude, the just this, that style of defence was just so impressive. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I know a lot of people were talking about they were offside and potential and stuff like that. We'll take that out of it. And we'll come back to that, but. Um, the umbrella-style defence that they have, where they flake up on the ins on the outside, and yeah. it told you if you watch him, like he's look, he's such an intelligent player. He's looking at McGrath all the time, waiting for him to pick the ball, and then he's he's on his toes and he's out of <clears> the blocks <throat> like a sprinter. And their line isn't jagged; then they're all going, you know, and they, yeah. they go to wall. And like Sexton was getting smashed a few times. Yeah, but they don't. In and they don't. Um they don't just mindlessly hair up, though. That's yeah. the thing. They're all smart, as you say. They've yeah. all got a dose of that. I told you, watch the ball, get an appreciation of who's where, who's in space. And they don't just um, burn themselves mm. for, for no reason. Uh, a good example of that is when Vunipolo picked off a couple of uh, intercepts. Two one, anyway. Yeah. Another, I know he slapped one down. Mm -hmm. um, but you know what I mean? He's getting in the passing channel. He just It's not just 
get in the right position to mark up men. He knows mm-hmm. how to make passes difficult. He knows like if you get in the passing channel, it's going to make that pass slower. It has to go round or maybe just dummy for a second. Mm. And I just thought even the one where Cruz, you know, the one where, uh, what do you call it, 13 Luzotsky or something? Yeah. Um, he made an unbelievable hit on Jack Conan, first That's phase. Right, yeah. They went back, swept back the far side and then it was Cruz who hit Sexton. And he, I just think... Now, I think Leinster will look at that and think if they had been more organised off Johnny, mm. he might have had a wee second where he could have got it away. But yeah. I think Cruz is a smart enough defender that he just went, I'm going to get to him yeah. whilst the guys that he's looking to get to are slightly ahead of him. Mm. They're just not... He's, he's thinking, if I <clears throat> if I take my time getting there, mm. they'll get organised. But yeah. if I get to him now, he'll not have a chance to get organised yeah. to have that option. That's it. So I remember clever. that moment, it was... He'd ring rolls out the back, or else I was Larmer. There was another wee shape. It was just on. They were just coming around the back of, it, of his left hand shoulder. Yeah. And those outside him weren't organised, but Sexton was like, "I could give this pass to Larmer, but as you said, he's he's given no time. Like uh-huh. If half a second later, and he would have time to make that decision, yeah. and he'd be able to give the pass. But when it's when he's up in his face, Cruz is like, "I'm just going to make this." so impossible for him to make a decision and yeah. they just smashed the man on ball and I think Takak got in the ball then they got a penalty off yeah. but yeah they were just that was that was the order of the day they had an answer for everything pretty much Leinster uh-huh. Leinster had and uh, if, if Leinster had outside John if they had have been slightly more organised like slightly mm-hmm. earlier then I don't think Cruz would have shot mm-hmm. because he just would have read that yeah I think the first three defenders they have they'll fly but they'll take a then they'll take a, a second that, uh, to make a decision. Yeah. And then it's more often than not, it was the right decision. But yeah. then the outside guys, they just keep coming yeah. to cut off. So then you're, Johnny's not going to make that decision then to try That's that pass. What, um, I don't know if it's um, Jared Payne or Andy Farrell. I think it's Andy Farrell. It comes from, they say go, load, go. Mm. So you, you go hard, you take the space, and then you um, wait for them to make a decision. You put them in a position where they're kind of slightly uncomfortable, and then you load up, and then you either go out and then go again right. so they're not just making one decision and then yeah. the, the guy with the ball in his hands goes right I know what to do here then yeah. they're always kind of like keeping them guessing I suppose it's continuous yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was I thought it was so impressive I think it kind of well actually, I don't know who looks after it is it um, uh, Alex Sanderson yeah yeah, 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 yeah. so I, I, again with attacking defence I thought Saracens looked unbelievably well coached Yeah, well their hits they were making then as well it's not like they're just making those decisions when they actually get to the line they're making massive shots yeah. technique is perfect and you could hear them shouting hit him hit him hit him Yeah, that was so aggressive across the whole line all day look at the back line <clears throat> Barrett smashes boys Owen mm. Farrell wrecks people oh, he Conan off uh, for t- Furlong's try when hit Conan him hard he absolutely yeah. smashed him and then uh, Liam Williams wrecking mm. boys um, like that's just their back line yeah um, uh, they, 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 they just have the <clears throat> perfect balance of Smart defenders, but fronting up and making big, big, big physical hits. hits as well. And as you said, attack, like, absolutely brilliant as well. What impressed me the most was their ability to turn slow ball into fastball. Um, was that something, like, that would Joe Schmidt have worked on that much for you? Like, when, it, when you get to four or five phases and you're in a position to attack, but the ball is slowed down, then how do you go from slow to fast? Because I think Saracens just <coughs> seem to have that... Different, a few different variety of options. They yeah. had either a tip on, a, f- a quick ball tip on that would that would, or a, or an offload like Farrell was just chucking balls out of the tackle because, yeah. 
uh, or then maybe they dart down blind with Williams and he he's always going to make a yard or two. Yeah. So they all they seem to have this variety of play that would always allow them to get a quick ball straight yeah. away. So I think whenever whenever the ball slows down, then the defense go right. Okay, we're going to come up hard. Mm-hmm. But the thing is with the, the defense, you can't come hard two times in a row if the ball is quick. Mm. So I think then in that first one, the the attack kind of. Um, almost invests in the second phase by conceding a couple of yards in the first one. Mm-hmm. So you kind of recall quickly, place the ball and play it straight away. By that stage, Leinster are maybe slightly offside, so they've got to retreat and then come back, and then you soften the defence. Mm. But how do you, like, what's the best way to do that? Because you'll find a lot of teams, I think, um, will, will just take a carry and try and have someone who latch on them and clear out the, the, the first defender or the, or the, yeah. guy, the second defender coming in. But they're, because they've got that in mind that it's for the second phase, uh-huh. they'll do it passively or not with much footwork or anything like that. Not the idea that I need to do something yeah. different here to sit the defence down, uh-huh. to break that um, But it's, it's, that it's, whenever, it's whenever it becomes a wrestle, whenever you collide and you kind of you pump your legs and you kind of fight and spin... And then you're slowing that next phase down yourself. Yeah, I think. exactly. Whereas yeah. I think Saracens kind of hit, and they, they bounce, they maybe hit the deck quickly, clear it out, and then go. Mm. So they, they don't worry about leg drive, and they might even recoil a little bit mm. just to make the ball really quick, really sharp. But it seems like everyone is on the same page. I yeah. think that's, they've all got that mentality, like, there must be a call. It's like, we got to get a quick ball after yeah. this next phase. So there's, there's always a variety of play. They've got either a backdoor to Farrell that's really well guarded where he's protected, or whoever gets into that first position, if they're not, if they're not going to win that, for, and it's going to become a bit of a wrestle, maybe they just get their hand free and they try and flip it over the top and get yeah. the ball back to Spencer as quickly <coughs> as possible. It does. Now there's a lot of theory here and a lot of coaching, yeah. but it, do, it does go a long <coughs> way to have Skelton and Vinopola. Yeah, to be fair, fair. Yeah, when you said Skelton, like yeah, when, when you think of him when he was with Australia, he was he was a bit of a lump. He was twenty odd stone, not fit, dragging his arse. Um, I know Philip Morrow is one of the main men at, at yeah. Saracens now, yeah. former Ulster fitness coach, and I think he's director of, I don't know, sport or performance something. Maybe. Performance, that's it exactly. Yeah. At Saracens Rugby. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like the job he is done on Skelton, like he was yeah. unbelievable on Saturday. Uh, just a wrecking ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, they were. Uh, the, that, that Saracens performance reflects well on the Saracens club. Mm. In so many different departments, yeah. Mark McCall, they just look like such such happy campers. They Isn't just love it? each other's company. Yeah, Mark they, McCall spoke very well afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Mm. As you say, Mark, um, Phil Morrow, just they all look in incredible shape. They all look like getting towards the business end of the season and mm. they're flying. Um, uh, and uh, the defence coach, Sanderson, as well. Yeah. He, he re- reflected really well on him. So Yeah, and look... With that in mind, Leinster put up a serious fight and they started so well. Like, I love that that clever start they had where Toner went with the dummy off the top of the line out and the kick off and uh, caught the whole team offside and um, got a penalty from that. They had a couple of moments of brilliance like Carney's break before uh, the, the yellow card and Troy and then start to the second half, I think we saw the best of Leinster in the first 10 minutes where they, they started doing something similar to what Saracens are doing. They had a variety of play. They were... Sexton and, and Lowe, I think, had like a, a one-two almost. Oh, of yeah. Offloads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Ringrose had that opportunity to throw that uh, that pass when 
they had man, men over on the right yeah. hand side. I thought it was a big moment. Yeah. They could have gotten, you know, when Liam Williams put the head in. Then Liam Williams put that in. What a hit that was. Yeah, what on the turnover. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unbelievable. Like, he, yeah. as you said, he makes just big moments in big yeah. games, doesn't he? That was a trick because um, Ringrose, to be fair to him, like reached, he placed it long, mm. and Liam Williams still just it, it was it was such a tricky skill to execute. Mm. And I think he slightly overbalanced, put one hand down, and then just plucked it with the other hand. Mm. It was a big, big moment in the game. Yeah, I think Farrell had a huge clearance off that as well. So Saracens can look a bit uncomfortable when they're in their own twenty-two as to how to get out of there. That was the one thing that I was kind of aware of that if Leinster could get them into their twenty-two more often, yeah, um, they'd. They'd struggled, but that was one occasion where it was just like, "Fuck!" He drove it to the halfway line. I mean, you guys, you guys are both happy enough with that. Liam Williams, the turnover. Like, I know <clears throat> you think Garces just saw it, and just it was such a brilliant turnover that he just overlooked the hand being on the floor on the deck as well, supporting his own weight. Uh, yeah, I was, I was happy enough to be honest, like, because I mean, Leicester fans could be pissed off. Maybe was... I thought I think in total Garces had a pretty good game. Um, I thought, you know, looking back, I think the offside was, there wasn't actually a huge amount of that. I think there was two people were, were complaining about it in the game. Um, don't think it was uh, it was that obvious. Yeah, I thought um, Liam Williams, I thought that one was fine. Yeah. I know technically he did have his hand down, so was he holding his own body weight, but I was going, that, it looked fine to me. Yeah. I thought it was it was such a good skill. Yeah. It would have been really fussy. You see some of them when they go in and they're definitely leaning on on players yeah. and with their elbows and, and stuff like that. It, a lot was, of players uh, would get away with it. There was two, two for me, maybe like, you know, from being added and, and stuff as well, like the, the one where Barris just missiled into someone under, under a post where they actually, they were in a great scoring position and Garcez just let it go and the Lancer boys were all calling it and it took Poit on the far sideline to call that as like he went, went off his feet to clear out the rook like. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. and then Garcez was like, all oh, right, yeah, sure. And then, like it really botched a scoring chance for Saracens, and then the other one was just when we're it was a high ball near the end, and it looked like it went backwards, and Gareth says gave that as a forward uh, that it went forward off Toner. Toner went to try and yeah. claim it in the air, but um, that one. And then Sexton wasn't too happy at the end of the game about the one before Scott Fardy got the yellow card. He was saying that he thought they'd knocked it on before. He did. Uh, Williams knocked on mm. uh, from uh, Luke McGrath's box kick. Williams I mean, and Carney went up for it. Uh-huh. Williams dropped it, but it was it was kind of at the blink of an eye you'd, mm. you'd miss it. Yeah. Um, and then Saracens, I think Decock maybe made a break, and Saracens played, um, and they had the moment where they touched the ball against the post, and yeah. Fardy got yellow carded. Farrell kicked the penalty, but when it was when the penalty was going, they were deciding on the yellow card. Sexton was saying, "Will you check yeah. the knock on?" And that was a big moment, like, mm. he didn't check it. Um, so just one or two like that. I thought that was the, one of the biggest ones, though. That's that what, because Johnny was chasing him for a yeah, while. Yeah, That's, yeah, because Gar says just didn't want to know, really. Like, why? I didn't see it, to be fair, I don't know. I didn't, why I didn't don't you check that, though, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, it's, just, it's not like Sexton was rattling him for the whole game. He hadn't really said much. And, yeah. you know, if you question something, you got to look at it. And, yeah. or, or how many phases does it have to go up? Pass before you can check that. Yeah, that is another thing. Yeah, as well. How many phases can you go back? Like there was. It's just, it's just <clears> I think it's, it's a tree. Maybe you can go back. Like and, yeah. but there was a one where I don't know whether it was shown on the TV uh, screens. It was like Garces and the two officials went and had a look at a little TV screen that was set up mm, on right. the pitch, 
and Sexton followed them all the way up to the halfway line just to say, can you go and check that? Yeah, that was it. Okay. And then he had half of the Saracens team getting in his face and pushing Sexton away and telling him to F off. And, uh, but yeah, that's, well, as you said, like, he, sometimes Sexton is uh, given a bit of abuse for getting onto the ref too much, but yeah, he, he, had right held, he had held his tongue for a lot of the game like, until yeah. that moment and it still didn't get him anything much. Um, we put out a hashtag AskHOR for Champions Cup special. Um, so we have a few questions here on that we might as well get to know. Very rugby-related, Trimby, you'll love these. <laughs> David Jackson asks, were Saracens habitually offside or was it just brilliant rush defence? We kind of covered that already. Uh, a lot of the talk in the post-match uh, stuff on TV was, um, was about this. Matt Williams was saying that, I don't know if he was taking the piss here or just trying to annoy, not annoy people, but trying to make a point that the referees are missing the offside at Rooks, but he was saying that they need to have a second referee on the pitch uh, because the touch judges aren't doing the job of telling the referees when a team is offside because the ref has got to look at the rock, he's got to look at so many other things and he can't see behind him if someone's offside. Now, I think that's a pretty ridiculous thing. Jen Jennings was laughing at it, but... Um, at the they touch judges could. Oh, sorry, go on. So Shane Jennings and him were on the like on the panel together. Yeah, yeah. So Jen Jennings <laughs> just laughing. <laughs> I mean, you can't put two refs in the pitch. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think Je I think Jennings was like, one is enough. Like they're already pretty. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> said they're already pretty incompetent or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what if they disagree? Do they need to introduce a third referee? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the touch judges just need to say, like, if someone's offside, some yeah. of them just absolutely pussy out. Yeah. Um, but I think, in fairness, Saracens haven't watched it back. They, they weren't offside. I think Leinster's ball was just a little bit slower. The, the only thing is they were potentially just lying at the ruck a little bit too long. Like, Vunapolo would get up. He wasn't in front of the ball, but he was in front of Luke McGrath's pass slightly, yeah, yeah. slowing down McGrath's pass. So McGrath has to really pick it. So by the time he's picked and stepped back half a yard, Funapolo and yeah. or whoever, the OJ and the rest of the, the line were just flying up. So, yeah. But I don't think they were offside. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think at the time they were offside. I just mm. I knew kind of what to expect from Saracen's line speed. Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Ulster Connick game, I remember thinking... Connett were offside the whole the whole game. Mm. It felt like they were just offside all the time. That was whenever Cardi picked up a couple of um, intercepts. Yeah, that game. Mm. So, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be inclined to agree with Matt Williams. No, <laughs> more often than not. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I think I remember Joy Neville did uh, was was touch judge up in Ulster for the game before Connacht, was it? It might have been the Connacht game, would it? No, it was the week before, I think. Oh, really? And uh, she was calling everything. Yeah. Just like, you know, because it's... it's And you'll stop... It team will stop doing it if you penalise them, yeah. like, if they're offside. Yeah. And she's watching it. She was just calling it. And Very good. She she doesn't miss much. No. She's yeah. spot on. How can you miss it, though? I mean, it's... <laughs> yeah. Fucking, yeah. They're offside or offside or not. <laughs> Everyone else in the stadium can see yeah. it. Like, so... I wonder, though... Um, as you say, I wonder as the ref going, I've got so much to worry about here. Yeah. Because a similar illustration for me, whenever I watch games and listen to co commentators and co-coms, I'm, I'm watching games going, how have you missed that? Mm. But whenever you're in it, and like whenever I've been co-coming, I w watch a game back that I've co-coming for, and I've gone, oh my goodness. <laughs> <I> <laughs> what game was I watching? Yeah. I've missed so much stuff. So 
you know, if there's distractions going on, especially if you're in the middle of what's, you know, you're yeah, looking at, right? Yeah, it must be so hard. I actually think it would be even hard as a referee to stay out of the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be my mind, biggest concern. Never yeah. mind making decisions. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't peel, don't make it don't make it hard for me. Like, I'm just yeah. going to stay out of the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, Jack O'Lantern, probably not his real name, but I like it, uh, asked... Third game in about three months against Saracens. This is Irish teams, obviously, <clears throat> and they're contingent in the English squad. All fairly similar. Why are Irish teams so poor at chasing games? I was watching this with the idea that this is a good example. This is pretty much Ireland versus England in a yeah. in a sense, and similar game plans and tactics. And although they probably won't come up against each other in the World Cup, will they? Maybe, but final maybe. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, you are kind of going that you know makes it a little bit less of a neutral game when you're not a Leinster fan because you're like okay I need we want them to win because it's uh, it's a good chunk of the Irish team but uh, yeah it was quite similar to the, yeah. the Ireland England match in a sense yeah. wasn't it yeah it was just um, it was it was just the combination of, of smart outsmart not not quite outsmart but just making a lot of smart decisions and backing them up with a lot of physicality mm. and that combination was even more so uh, at the Aviva. Mm. The first game of the Six Nations was massive and it was the same sort of stuff again. Um, yeah, it's just really, it's so impressive from Saracens and mm. England, to be fair. Yeah. Don't really have an answer for that, man. But I, just, I remember <laughs> playing... Just with you. We played Saracens with, with Ulster um, like maybe three or four times within a, f- a few years. Like maybe in the group, um, obviously... Uh, home and away in the group and then maybe quarterfinal one year or anyway quite a lot within a, sh- a short period of years of seasons and we tried three or four different ways of playing it just totally changed our mindset whenever they box kick to you you know if you play off it you just get hammered with their defense yeah you know, they just they wait for you to catch it they smash you and then they smash you with the next phase so we thought right let's um receive that slow it down and then just put it back on them and just say right okay onus is on you again to play from deep so we tried that, didn't work. <laughs> didn't work, they just took it and then they did play from deep. Okay. And then next time we took it and we were like, right, let's try and like concede a few yards, get our shape really good and then beat them on the edge. Didn't work. They just smashed us behind the gain line in the middle of the pitch. Like the likes of Luzotsky, um, like, yeah. like just coming up in the middle of it and just making good decisions. We tried something else one year and I was going, we, we can't we can't beat Saracens. Mm. <laughs> we just can't beat them. They're too good. Yeah. It actually gets to that point. Yeah, it is that ability to, to just to to change your game plan or to have it all covered. And that's yeah. I think that's why they're so good. They've got so much variety to their, yeah. to their play. Um, Exeter and maybe are a good example of a team who can who can not that most recent performance. Yeah. But And it's like what impressed me the most like it's kind of common sense when you think of it, you know. They do the smart things, like those position they had on the left-hand side of the in the second half after they'd weathered that storm of Leinster and uh, Williams <coughs> had made that turnover. Leinster, uh, they won a scrum on the left-hand side, just inside their own half, and it was a good opportunity to to have a, uh, an attacking, you know, backline move. And they just got the ball to Goode's hand. He brought it right to the line and popped a a long kick on the into run, the corner yeah. and Larmer got tackled and Leinster eventually scrambled it into touch but yeah. it was just a, being able to, to to make that decision right there and then now we just apply pressure yeah. we soaked up theirs and um, rather than most teams I think in this day and age will have a certain style of play whereas now we keep the ball for 
the next 10 phases and hopefully yeah. they'll break them down whereas they can have I think that's why they're the champions just that they have that ability to do all yeah. all of the above but they're smart so if you're a, if you're a tennis player and you're you're smart that's <laughs> fine because you just like you maybe speak to your coach before you know what cues to pick up on and you just make kind of percentage plays but in a rugby team it's like it's so impressive to have everybody on the same mm. page everybody knows why someone did something because we talked about this during the week and complete clarity is, I think it's so impressive again a reflection of how well they're coached I think yeah just they must be so well organized they're just a machine yeah a few do you like the tennis player do you like that I did yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I love tennis <laughs> terrible at it but yeah um, we're gonna get to Wimbledon one of these that's days that's true <laughs> that's <laughs> <next> outside broadcast <laughs> Uh, they were actually on TV talking about Mark McCaw. Why wasn't he offered the the Ireland job, <clears throat> um, or at least talked about? Yeah, maybe he was. But um, what, where f- do you need to look any further than him um, for what he's achieved? And yeah. um, he's, I mean, his family. Are, I don't know. I, I never, I never keep in touch with him. But I would imagine his family are pretty, pretty settled. Mm. He's onto a good thing. He's probably just going to continue to win premierships in European Cups. Yeah. What's not to like with that lifestyle? Uh, did he leave on bad terms at Ulster? Uh, Slightly? I think, well, yeah. Or the uh, RFU? Yeah, probably, he, yeah. Yeah, I don't think he wanted to leave. I don't, I don't know. Who yeah. knows? I just remember um, the CEO came into the office, or t- into the meeting and just said, um, Mark's handed in his resignation effective immediately. Well. And he's, uh, Mike Reed, it was at the time, said. <clears throat> In my opinion, we've lost a good man, <laughs> and never a truer word spoken. Yeah. <laughs> he was so good for us for a long period, and then there was just, I don't know, not even a full season, like half a season of kind of disappointing results, and things didn't go our way, and then I think the few guys turned on him. Not oh. players, one or two players maybe, mm. um, but uh, definitely a few supporters kind of turned on him. Mm. But um, I always think very, very fondly of, of uh, Mark, because he gave me an opportunity whenever I didn't really deserve it. He gave me a development contract with Ulster whenever I was kind of, um, wasn't really playing well enough. It was the year whenever you guys, do you play in that 21s team that won, or sorry, got to the final of the World Cup? No, it was the year after me. Yeah, okay, so I, I wasn't in that. I wasn't on that World Cup squad. I wasn't really playing that well my first year out of school, mm-hmm. but he kind of saw a bit of potential in me and kind of backed me, and he knew that I needed to come out of my shell a wee bit more. He knew that I needed to be in that environment. So I always really appreciate he gave me an opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll always kind of remember and be very thankful. Yeah, he comes across great. He spoke after the game yeah. and talked, just thanked uh, all the the fans and the, the backroom staff and everyone, as did Leo Cullen. I think Leo Cullen spoke unbelievably well. What a top fella. Like, yeah. One of the best parts of Leinster rugby at the moment is, I think, Leo Cullen. He's a great fella. And he he is, yeah. S- sounded so... Um, Still so humble and so, you know, didn't come across pissed off or anything like that. I just thought he, he was brilliantly, uh, he spoke brilliantly. But anyway, we'll move on. Uh, yeah. There's loads of rugby. Um, we ha- we'll be back with some of the Guinness Pro 14 chat ahead of the two semi-finals next week. We have Jack Carty on the phone as our Game of Thrones correspondent. Uh, next, though, I had a chat in Limerick last week with Munster forwards coach Jerry Flannery. Uh, the interview was actually carried out the day before it was confirmed Fla and Felix would both be leaving the province. Um, but it's worth a listen. Um, and you'll get an insight into to what Fla uh, or how he's, how he's enjoyed the coaching role um, and also the upcoming semi-final against Leinster. Your skill set is 
as a rugby player, that is like to be a skillful rugby player is, is that's that's the best thing you can bring onto the field. Yeah. Obviously, because of the physicality of the game, you have to be strong enough, fit enough, fast enough to play. Um, I think in the past in Ireland, we've we've gone down the line of just chasing the, you know, getting strong in the gym, getting as fast as you can, getting as fit as you can, and not focusing enough on this on skills. Um, I think the two are are, are are important. If I was to, if I had to lean one way, I'd lean towards the skill set now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen with a lot of the players who come in here from abroad, particularly um, the Kiwi players and, and players who've, I think the reality is a lot of the players who who play abroad, they don't specialise in one position when they're young. So you'd have someone like Rhys Marshall, uh, our hooker from, from New Zealand. Rhys would play me- multiple positions and then when he's 17, 18, when you specialise in a position, when you physically start to mature, that's that's when you start to specialise. But Reese might have played ten for a, for a couple of years. He might have played in the centre. He might have played wing. Hence, he has a good skill set. He's comfortable on the ball. He has good game appreciation in general. And then it just happens that when when he matures at around 17, 18, he ends up going. Well, I'm not tall enough to be a lock. I'm not quick enough to be in the backs. I'm probably best suited to play to play at hooker. And um, I think that that's something. I think a lot of the times. On the teams that I played, and now I'm, I'm, I'm old now, so I'm, I'm 40, so it's probably, it's probably changed. But a lot of the, when I played, I played at the same out half from when I was 13 until I was under 20s. He was always the out half. Um, whereas I think you don't just want to chop and change, but I think that players get a, a better grasp of the fundamentals when they play more positions and then specialise when they're older. I think that that's something that. Would, will benefit us in Irish rugby because I think the more, the more skillful you are, um, the more you can you can adapt to any game plan. The more you can you know you can get guys, you can train guys to get them strong in a gym, to get them fit and fast. But it's actually developing their skill set will make them a better rugby player, make it easier for them to go and exploit gaps and to see things and to see where the space is. Mm. Very good. Um, when you talk about the teams you were involved with back in the day, that. 90 or that 2006 2008 teams obviously being uh, for Munster being the most successful the club have ever had um, the obsession back then with with training and uh, I suppose the the mentality that we would have had as a group back then was something very special with the likes of Polly yourself strings Dowling Dunners I think leading the charge back then um, do you see comparisons with that now is that a was that as special as we think it is, like that that environment, or? Um... Yeah, I think it, I think it was a special environment. I think um, <clears throat> I understand a lot of Munster supporters get get frustrated now when they look back, and they they look back on the previous teams and they're wondering why Munster aren't winning now. And that is that is that's you know that that's a bridge that we've got across. Um, when I look back on that on that group of players, you have to think of it like. One to ten were pretty much starters for Ireland. The, the loose head, the hooker, the tight head, both the locks, all the back rows, nine and ten, all started for Ireland. And then if you look in, in, in the centres, then you probably had Lifeimi Maffey and Ruat Tapoki. Uh, you might have Doug Howlett and one wing, Sean Payne. None of them are, are actually eligible for Ireland. And then <coughs> Dowling or something like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, you know, like that's, it, that was the standard of. Like they were all starters for Ireland, and a lot of them played for 
for the British and Irish lines and stuff like that. So it was, there was real quality there, but that was underpinned by a real strong culture. Um, and I think at the time, you tell me if you disagree, but I think that we, I, I look back on it now and I go like, we probably didn't, um, didn't appreciate how good our coaches were in creating an environment where we were able to really drive things on. And I think at times when I, w this is just me personally now, I used to look at the coaches and go like, oh, they're not developed me. I wanted, I felt it had to be technical. I wanted to be technically, mm -hmm. you know, coached every, every week. But when you get to those levels, when you get to the level when you're playing at, you know, international rugby and, and senior, senior rugby, you're not going to take a really, players generally aren't rubbish and you improve them 25%. It's incremental little improvements. And I was probably looking for the big, you know, you know, improve my, improve my, my pass off my left side, you know, like I want to be able to rip that pass all the time. But, and I probably didn't give the coaches enough credit for what they were doing was creating an environment where we felt that the harder we worked, the more that we would get further to achieving our goals, which is, which is not an easy thing. And if we, they made us feel like we were, we were the ones who were in charge of our destinies. Mm. So I think that the work ethic was there, the quality of player was there, um, and the landscape probably is a lot different to what it is now. Was a, is a, is, was a lot different back then to what it is now in terms of the budgets that some of the the English teams and the French teams have, and how they can recruit, and also the fact that with the the changes in the in the tax relief now for for Irish players, there's a lot more of a likelihood of Irish players leaving when they get to 30 years of age, and and trying to cash in in France. Um, as opposed to when, <clears throat> when I played, it was more a case of you had to retire tax resident in Ireland to get your tax back. And um, there was always the window that you could go away and possibly come back and try and claim, but no one wanted to risk it so much because that was kind of, that, they were your savings that was going to start you off into retirement. So yeah, I think we that had, it's, it's probably... We there that was together for 10 plus years, like the bones of a... Yeah, and no one wanted to leave. Squad, yeah. No one wanted to leave and... It also meant, from a budget point of view, that Munster were able to compete with the top teams because they didn't have to pay you market value in the last couple of years of your career because they knew that with the tax back thing that you had to stay there. So if, if Toulouse or Claremont came in and offered you, you know, a, a more attractive package, you still had, Munster still had the, uh, Munster and the IFU happened for all teams it's, and it's, it, it's common sense from the club's point of view. They would say, well, You've got this pot, this this pot, of, not a pot of gold, but you've got like your your tax relief money is there. We'll probably pay you under market value, but you know you'll get your tax relief there. And the Irish system is so good for players as well in terms of prolonging your career and the player welfare and how they manage you. That it and at the time as well, why would you want to leave Munster? Because Munster were winning all the time. You know you're playing with the best team in Europe. Um, now it's different now because the other teams have. You know, the, the, a lot of the teams in France and, and England have, they've got very big budgets. Irish players know they can go abroad, come back and still get their tax. And, um, and the reality is, if you're not playing in Leinster at the moment, then you're not playing in the, like, Leinster are the best team in Europe at the moment. Mm -hmm. So if you're a Munster, you, previously when we were there, you said, well, why would I ever leave? Because we're better than all these other teams. Now, we're still a top four team in Europe at the moment, but... That's, that's yeah. where I, mean, I think it, it's changed. It was a brilliant environment to be around, a very enjoyable, fun place to be as well. I think that's, <clears throat> that plays a huge part in it as well. And, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Like that some of the f 
the best moments that I, when I think back, obviously we were very successful on the pitch, but the things that you think back on when you retire are the funny things that we used to get up to and um, the crack we used to have. And like even we, we, Andrew and I spoke about the Hardy Bucks a few weeks ago and we had the Hardy Bucks down here to, mm. to Munster Rugby. And uh, they're the things you remember. Like, yeah. do, you know, do you remember that, wasn't, that day? That wasn't really great for me, really. But Yeah, um, you got in a bit of trouble for that? Were you fine for that? Uh, I'm not sure if I was. I, I'm not sure if I was fine, but I was definitely, definitely taken to task and told, "What are you doing?" And which is yeah. which is fair. Yeah, it was pretty stupid for me. It was funny though. It was funny. I think when you look back on it, like, I think most most teams that have a good culture really enjoy each other's company and they enjoy. Like, it's a great job. It's a it's a it's a pressure job being a rugby player. It's a really really high pressure job. I've. I really respect all the players who come in here every day because for me coming in as a coach, they're really motivated. They're all, they all have, you know, they have really good work ethic. It's, <clears throat> and they, they get on, you know what I mean? They all get on and they have real good fun. The fact that you actually win means that you can look back at it and go, we're, you know, it gives you like that rose-tinted mm. view in it. Like if, if we'd lost all the time, we'd wonder. It, it makes you well, question then, oh, yeah. you know, we just... Maybe we went on the piss a little bit too much, but mm. because we ended up winning, we kind of went, we got the balance just right. So it's it's a fine line, you know. It's um, but it's uh, I think that I think the players still. I would like to imagine they still really enjoy coming in here as as I did when I played. That was it. I winning winning was fantastic, and that's that's what it's about. But like when you think back on it, it was all the crack that we actually had as a group, and still. When we, I was just there, I went out to Alan Quinlan's dad's funeral. Um, it was a sad occasion, real sad. But like when I saw some of the lads, I saw Dunica, I saw Mikko, I saw Strings, Frankie Sheehan, you start getting a little bit giddy because you're so keen to meet up with them again because they're, it sounds cheesy and cliche, but there is a, there is a bond there. Like when you meet them, it's kind of like a giddiness and you shouldn't be giddy at a funeral, but like, mm. you know, that's, sure. that's, they're yeah. just great guys and uh, very lucky to have worked with them. Yeah, I agree. Um, so looking ahead to the to the weekend, obviously a very disappointing result against Saracens a few weeks ago, but the opportunity now to put that right um, with a big performance against Leinster in the RDS. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Saracens was was uh, was a real gut punch because I think if I look back on it, in the three semi-finals that we've played since I've been here, Saracens the first year under Rassi. You know, we we probably, you know, they were definitely a better team than us, but we gave as good as we could, which is all you can ever ask. You know, we coached as well as we could, and the players 100% played as well as they could on the day. We just got beaten by a better side. Um, but we were in the mix for a while there. Rassing last year was disappointing um, because I felt we never really fired a shot, or they fired three shots straight away, and then we were scrambling um, with scoreboard pressure because we were behind, and we probably, it just we froze a little bit on the day that was really disappointing and it was hard to get up after that this year I think the gap was and I think anyone who watched the game would say that the gap was the biggest it's been between us and 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 losing you know I mean between Saracens just seemed that much better than us on the day so that was really really tough Uh, the reality is now that Saracens are not in the Pro 14 Um, it's going to be it's going to be Leinster and then and then hopefully we, we get to, we get to a final. But we we've just got to pick ourselves up now and give as good account uh, give as good a, an account of ourselves as we can and try and get our season back on track. Because if someone said to you at the start of the season, 
you know, you're going to be in a Pro, pro 14 semi-final against Leinster. You know, you'd have played them twice that year, beaten them once, you know, lost to them once. You know, we can be in the mix. We just need to get, get, get everyone healthy, get on the field and just even... Look, our Treviso performance was, was, was terrible. It was a really, really poor performance. Even, even the Connacht game, our first game after, after Sarries, there's probably a little bit of a hangover there. We've just got to be, uh, from, from all of the coaching staff through all the players, we've got, to be, we've got to park that now and just look at this game and say, there's two games between us now and a, and a Pro 14. Like it's, it sounds close. It, you, you can be a million miles away from it as well because there's so much that has to go on for you to actually win. But if it's worthwhile, it's so worthwhile because it changes, it changes how you look at your life. That's for, for me, that's the importance of it for me because I can look back on my time as a coach and say, I've actually won something. And it's not, it's not about me personally. It's as a coach, I feel that you, you have to try and get the environment right. Munster have to be within touching distance of winning something all the time. It's, it's nice saying that, and that's, but it, it hurts every time you lose in a semi-final because you question everything that you do and you question, uh, you know, where are we falling down? Where are we not good enough here? Were, were we not addressing this enough? And uh, so it's, it's, it's burning really hard for me to try and, uh, you know, I just really want to get it, want to win something for Munster and repay everything that Munster has done for, for me personally, but I want the players to win it as well and I, for, because I know how hard they're working. Just because you're working hard, every other team is working hard as well, but I just feel that there's, if we can get a bit of luck, I look at 2009 with Leinster, when Leinster beat us in the European semi-final, they just massively kicked on from there mm. and I feel that we need <clears> to get a break at some stage. Yeah, when you say, when you say, when you start, when you look, ask you the start of the season, or say to the start of the season, you're going to be in two semi-finals. You've beaten Leinster once. <coughs> um, your record in the competition, like you haven't been beaten at home. You've mm. um, the best defence. Uh, not too sure about the attack, but pretty up there as well. Yeah, we yeah. scored. I think we've third third highest amount of tries scored. And yeah, yeah. So look, it's 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 funny when you when you say that when you put it like that, and then you you take a from the outside looking in. The, is it a lack of confidence maybe even though they're in that situation is it like when you're you're too involved in the whole thing you can't see the perspective as to wow hang on a second we have achieved an unbelievable amount this season we have unbelievable players we've got two of the best players in the country to come back into our side and not only should we be not be beating ourselves up over a couple of performances in the mm. last few weeks even though we've won but we should be going into this with pressure off and confidence into a game like this. I think I think you're dead right. That's what I was. You 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 just you just put it across a lot a lot more concisely than I did. I, I think standing back and being being objective about it. You say, listen, what have you guys got to lose? When people look at how you played against Treviso, they're just going to think you've even got a chance against against Leinster. So we have beaten Leinster in the past. Uh, granted, they went down to 14 players and. Um, you know, and they've consistently been 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 the dominant team in Europe over the last few years. But I think that we just need to we just need to get our mindset right. That's the big thing: is get our mindset right, get get the lads healthy, and get on the field. And like you're saying, just not not be afraid to really go out and try and win it. Um, you won't contain Leinster, mm. so that's where we are. Okay. Well, best of luck. We can't wait for it. I think we've taken up enough of the gym's time today. <laughs> uh, 
Look, Flat, best of luck the weekend, and uh, we look forward to hearing some more of your feedback on Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, because you were like our quality control officer for the first few weeks, and uh, Trimby is craving some, some more feedback. Needy. Yeah. Needy. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm always very impressed. It's very good. Thanks, man. Probably a great idea that there's this young little fella and I like I'll stick him up my shoulders and I like the ceiling it's weird the ceiling above me was you know maybe eight foot but there's like a big atrium so I couldn't see the ceiling. Uh, it was so the perfect felt, storm. Oh so the mum was there with the camera ready you know it's one of those wind up ones and I, I lifted him come on up he goes and boom head off the roof the whole place went silent kids started crying I had to hand him back I was, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so I, I turned around, trippy, wetting himself, wetting himself laughing. All right, uh, that interview was done on the same day uh, as we spoke to Monster Hooker Reese Marshall. Uh, great interview. He's a great fellow, man. Yeah, yeah, just hilarious and good story about his uh, journey from New Zealand working on a farm. Uh huh killing animals and so on uh, to, to Monster Rugby it's great so we'll have uh, that like Game of Thrones does he I didn't ask him did I did we talk about Game of Thrones no I don't think we did talk about it actually but geez, I'd say you can handle himself with Westeros <laughs> yeah good uh, did you just talk about rugby <laughs> <laughs> we didn't really it was mostly horse riding and <laughs> drinking, <laughs> drinking whiskey and <laughs> Keith Earls was in the background doing his uh, doing his gym session doing weird stuff he does weird stuff in the gym girls he doesn't he he was just doing some shoulder rehab and stuff like that, just pottering around. But um, Maurice Marshall was talking about uh, horse riding and riding like for, for hours one day to come back from... He got called into a 21 squad and he, he got found out and he had to ride for ages back in this horse. And uh, I was really interested in I'm it. thinking Gladiator. <laughs> it was definitely some, <laughs> there was some tune playing in it. Or his wife he, and son had died when we got home. <laughs> or is he just uh, piped up in the corner of the gym? He's like, I'm just embarrassed for him because <laughs> he puts his saddle on his horse. <laughs> or he obviously didn't put a saddle on his horse when he was down flaking around Nimerick on his, uh, his piebald pony. <laughs> so you'll hear that next week. Uh, that and uh, Pat was talking to Adam Byrne and John Fogarty of Leinster. So... That will all feature in a House of Rugby Guinness Pro 14 semi-finals bonus episode during the week. So keep an eye out for that. And subscribe to the show so it just drops like out of thin air into your phone. That's <laughs> the noise it should make. But anyway, Fla and Felix. Uh, two good lads. Two unbelievably good lads. Uh, tough week for Munster, yeah. Completely out of the blue, wasn't expecting it. Yeah. In hindsight, I suppose the fact that it's uh, May and they hadn't made decisions on the contracts, you'd think that would be done January, February. Had that been um, talked about in the press? <coughs> Had people been like kind of speculating? A little bit, like yeah, there was like why haven't they signed? But they've been offered a one year, and uh, there was talks about Munster getting another uh, coach on board, and it was you know I think. It, Everyone felt that they were just waiting to firm up the three of them before they made the announcement. So this was a massive surprise. And <clears throat> looking, you know, looking at it, you're only speculating as to what happened because no one knows other than Flan Felix. Um, they're an incredibly tight unit, the two of them. Um, so I'm not sure if they made the decision 
together or what? And are they as um, tight as you and me? They will be, yeah. They could oh, go. Is there going to be a rival? A rival. <laughs> Felix and Flaz <laughs> House of Rugby. <laughs> <laughs> you'll just be here next week. You guys won't be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I definitely tune into that as well. They're they're Felix is like mad. Yeah. Uh, I've had some some of my funniest times at Monster Rugby where Felix Johns just yeah his pranks his pranks. Um, I'm not sure how many people are aware of that. How he was that was all he used to do. Like was yeah. find certain ways to. Um, I remember himself in Barry O'Man, he broke into one of the like one of the lads' house and stole all their all their stuff. And then when the lads came home from a night out, they had the they had a pretend they got someone to ring them pretending to be a guard saying we've found before the lads could even ring the guards to say that we've found all your stuff and they did like a big sting operation where the lads, David Kilcoyne and Ron Namani and Paddy Butler were brought to this a warehouse that I actually was we had for the band where we used to practice in uh-huh. and they came out there and they were just sitting there and the story's going nowhere actually it was very funny <laughs> <laughs> didn't, he, um, didn't he um, put a load of chickens in Donegal Ryan's house as he well he did and set up a GoPro yeah that was unbelievable yeah. at about 3 o'clock in the morning yeah. just, I don't know how he got them in can you, can you remember I can't how he remember. got them in I just remember um, uh, Shkin Ryan going I remember him like turning around and going I mean why put the chicken there because <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not really the point chicken's in the house ah, there's chicken's it? in the house and he's, yeah. he's given out to, I think it was Billy Holland and uh-huh. Donica's house yeah and he's given out to Billy because like that's not how you catch a chicken basically like, <laughs> and Felix put in this music like and the two of them are just running around the kitchen trying to catch these chickens we also dressed him up as a uh, as some sort of a religious hybrid. Uh, it wasn't a priest, it wasn't, I don't know what he was. He had like a little uh, Jewish cap, uh-huh. but it, wasn't, it was just his hair that flashed, shaved into the top of his head, and he left his sideburns, so he looked like an Orthodox Jew, but he was more of a, he had a Bible with him as well, so I don't, oh. think, he, I don't think he had decided what religion he was, but okay, this was like yeah. the first week or two that he came to Munster Rugby. And uh, made him make an impression, yeah. He went door to door and started, uh, like I think he called the John de Villiers' wife's house and uh, or his house, but it's, he wasn't home and just tried to talk to his <laughs> wife about religion and uh, and totally freaked her out. Um, he brought him into my brother's pub and tried to, to talk to my brother and like weirdoing everyone out <laughs> and, like, on like a yeah. quiet Monday night. And he would just commit to these hilarious little pranks that he would do so yeah um but anyway we digress terrible to see the two of them leave um they'll obviously go on to to uh to something something else i think uh, they've huge future in the game uh fla you'd you'd obviously a lot of time with fla over yeah. your years yeah i don't we don't feel like we're talking about him like he's in the past now yeah uh, i know you know he had a good inning he did <laughs> rest uh, in peace <laughs> um, yeah yeah flat um i remember flat um uh at Kalani castle it was he, he had this um theory about Kalani makes you fat <laughs> because um uh over like there's a spotlight comes right down uh, in front of the mirror and because it's like coming down from the ceiling 
uh, it it makes you look r- more ripped. <laughs> <laughs> so every time he would come back from training, be like, "Whoa, decent shape," and he would go down and like stuff his face. I can afford <laughs> eat ice cream. I can afford to eat what I want. Yeah. And he's like, "Kalani makes you fat because of the spotlights." <laughs> He'd hate that. Um, uh, look, it's it's a it's a. It's a bit of a disaster for Munster, being honest with you. Like when you Sorry, when you yeah. talk, yeah. <laughs> Let's get serious here. <laughs> um, when you think about Saracens, when we talk about them for so long, there about what Mark McCall has achieved and all that. I mean, Fla alluded to there was the, the resources they have, the money they have. Um, then they go off to feckin' Barcelona or go skiing in the Alps, and they just have all these yeah. incredible facilities and uh, and resources available to them. And when you look at Munster. Not only do they not have that, but they're incredibly under-resourced. Uh, the two boys were doing, the three of them, between the two of them and Van Graham, were doing the, the job of probably four or five uh, <coughs> people at least. And, uh, you know, so not only have they lost two of, like, the most hard-working players that I've worked with, but, like, two of the hardest-working coaches, I'd say, in the game, Felix and Fla. Yeah. You know, because when they were players, they'd work their bollocks off. But yeah. There's only so many training sessions you can do and so much lifting weights you can do or so much work you can do on the on the pitch but I as two of their two close friends of mine I know you'd never see them because they're just working day and night for Munster yeah. rugby and uh, the fact that they've lost that now is be a huge huge void in the team and um, I, I hope for Munster's sake that they can get something or Van Gran has some sort of a plan that this wasn't just yeah um, you know you'll you'll do well to get um, two fellas who who care as much, exactly. or who are as committed as those two. Yeah, I would have thought. Yeah, um, and they just you know for me they just needed another uh, another coach to come in. <laughs> Do you um, remember the time Flannery <laughs> bullied Sarzetsky? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was uh, it was Sarzetsky. It was uh, was it not the hooker though. No? Was it? It was what's the winger's name? Toulouse winger, um, fullback. The chaps, lamb chaps. Oh, um, Podron, or, um, Medard. Medard, yeah. Was it him? It was, yeah. He oh, volleyed it? him. It was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it was so weird. I think I was on the bench that day and I was going, there's no explanation for yeah, that. No. I've never seen anybody, vo- like, just he came running at him and yeah. just volleyed him. He drew back fully, like, <laughs> as well. Oh, it was so good. He tried to maintain that he, it was a mistake or whatever, but he knew exactly what he was doing. Pure Shannon rugby. Um... Uh, but anyway, that look looking ahead to the weekend, Leinster versus Munster in the RDS, going to be a cracker. Uh, two of them with a lot to play for, and also Ulster versus uh, Glasgow over in Glasgow. Did uh, Robbo come back to you at all about... He's, yeah. He's sorry, yeah, sorry, he's doing the Munster-Leinster game. Unreal. Yeah, so we can team up with a, like a, a, a task. Okay. He's going to slag me though, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been? Well, no, no, him I up? haven't. I haven't. <laughs> but uh, we, did, uh, we, we said in the last episode we wanted him to describe you, but be derogatory about it. Yeah. Like not an accomplice. Yeah, obviously. Okay. Go on. So man. that's fine. That's his first task. The yeah. other one is we wanted to try and get a phrase or something, a word in. Yeah. So um, I thought um, he's obviously not allowed to say. Although maybe it would be good if he referenced us. Might be good for profile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Playing the game here a bit, mm-hmm. but um, I I always like Matt Williams, who we were talking about earlier, always used to mix metaphors, used <laughs> to just like just <laughs> butcher them. <you> know? <laughs> I thought Robbo could do something similar, so I I would like him to say, 
You can bring a horse to water, but you can't make it neigh. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah, great. I'd also well, like in reference to, to what? I don't know. Once <laughs> he get that Just in. squeeze it in. It'll okay. probably be Liam Tolan on CoComs. Yeah. So you can't make it neigh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gotta give good emphasis on the neigh. Neigh. Well, it's up to him. Listen, I'd be happy with the neigh, but if he could even... You can bring a horse to water, but you can't make it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be even better. Unbelievable. It's up to you. Like, he needs a few more catchphrases, doesn't he? This could be like uh, Joan and Loma Rugby, the, the, <laughs> the PlayStation game back in the day where it was like, yeah. Uh, you could end up in Ward 4. Oh, not. That's a maternity ward. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Like, uh, he, he, <clears throat> he could have, he's a better chance of cutting that defence. Like a hippopotamus with a pair of scissors. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Say something ridiculous. Hippopotamus with a pair of scissors, please, Robbo. That's great, man. I'm going to be f- properly listening to that game. That yeah. You're not working at a, at a game, are you? No. No, no. Okay. No. Let's listen in. Okay, next we have our Game of Thrones chat with Game of Thrones correspondents Jack Carty, which uh, is in direct uh, competition with the Joe.ie actual Game of Thrones podcast, which is called? The, the North Awaits. The North Awaits. So it does. It does, doesn't it? They, they probably have a few more facts, but sure, look it. Have a listen to that one anyway, if you're, uh, if you're at a loose end. Uh, so here, let's Jack, get Jack Carty on the phone. Please the phone up, Jack Carty. I'm sorry, I'm not sure if you believe a brief message, I'll get back to you. Hello, Jack. This is Baz and Andrew from Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby. Uh, you were supposed to be joining us as our Game of Thrones correspondent uh, for the show today, but you have left this go to your voicemail. So, Jack, I hear you're an absolute disgrace at Cooney's house party. <laughs> was he? Yeah. What did he do? Uh, his missus um, wanted to go home and he was like, yeah, go home by yourself. I'm staying with the boys. <laughs> and then got into a fight with McCluskey. Did he? Apparently. Over what? Like over the game? I don't know. Or? I don't know. No, right. I don't. Like is this is this rumor? Is this our rumor section? Um, I, no, I think it was Cooney said that the two of them had like kind of. I don't think they got into a riot or nothing, but they kind of. Huh. They got a bit spiky. Yeah, a wee bit spiky. Apparently, apparently, yeah. so I hear. Mm. Anyway, cool. Um, will we just carry anyway, on? call us back. Yeah, will we just carry on with our Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, are we just gonna? I think we were... Do this whole 10-minute segment yeah. on his voicemail. Yeah. Right, okay. Will we? Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. Um, the, the, the last episode was quite <coughs> like... Um, the first 20 minutes of it, anyway, was quite like the end of season piss-up <laughs> at Cooney's house, I'm sure. <laughs> where they're all just kind of yeah. wandering around, pissed and it sounds It sounds a bit like Cardi was the big ginger wildling. <laughs> <laughs> just mounting off. Yeah. <laughs> he came out with a few classics. Uh, what did he say? Um... We face those icy fucks or something like that <laughs> on the white links or the, the white walkers oily fucks and he was like, which one of you bastards shat in my pants? Is <laughs> <laughs> that you, Carty? Um, he was also burning the ear off the hound at the bar. Yeah. And we're like, oh, and the hound was like, oh, Jesus. He wasn't having it. Get away from me. Yeah, like, yeah. There was always one of those that uh, at an end of season session, like, yeah. who gets too emotional and too pissed. Yeah. And Sansa took him on. Sansa went over to the hound and he broke him down. She broke him she down. She did, yeah. yeah. Um, and then your man, Gendry, 
he like fell, <laughs> got too pissed, told Aria that he loved her. Yeah. Aria's like, oh, Jesus. And you rose you because it was the end of the <laughs> It was the end of the season. It was the end of the universe. It was the end, was the end of the universe. You're not supposed to fall in love with me. You remember saying on his knees, it was so embarrassing. And that the drinking game they were playing was terrible. Yeah, really bad. It was so cringy. It was yeah, like, it was, yeah. Ooh. You're a virgin. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. And then the sex scene between Jamie and... Uh, Treadwell. Yeah. <laughs> that was harder to watch than the Battle of Winterfell. <laughs> I was like watching that through my hand. Oh, no, I can't look. Yeah. Uh, Danny wasn't feeling it at the at the party. Whenever the big ginger wilding was like, suck love and John, you legend. <laughs> <laughs> You've been so class this season, mate. You've been carrying us. <laughs> and Danny was just like was not like, feeling it. She yeah. was obviously like, half a dozen beers behind them all yeah. and she's just like oh, I'm, I'm going home here yeah and then, <laughs> then John came in she's like are you drunk <laughs> are you laggers yeah were you doing shots were you and he's like no I'm grand he's like we've your nephew's christening in the morning <laughs> <laughs> he's like I'll be fine and then she gets into a deep and meaningful when he's clearly <laughs> yeah, shit faced yeah, yeah. And then she starts making all these demands. I'm like, yeah. I have to cut the grass now in the morning. You know? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, well, you can't cut the grass. You'll be wrecked. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was a weird old segue, wasn't it? I think they needed to do it maybe a little bit lighthearted. Yeah, I mean, you can't have battles every week. Mm. What fair. do you think, Jack Carty? D- d- Jack? <laughs> <laughs> you still there, Jack? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was... a. Uh, and then, like, heading into next week, it was almost like the end of the season, but you've got one game left. So, like, like Leinster, let's say, next weekend, they've got, well, they've potentially got two games left, but Daenerys is like, straight in Monday morning. Yeah. We're straight in training. We're going to do a three-hour session. <laughs> and they're like, no, they've just had the most physical game of all time against Saracens. <laughs> <Yeah>. give, <laughs> give them a break. <laughs> give them a night out. Yeah. She's like, nah, we're off though. Straight down to where are they going again? Um, King's Landing. Yeah, yeah. With a tiny little army. Yeah. And then uh, Tyrion, what's he th- what's he thinking at this stage? He's walking up trying to talk Cersei down. He must know what she's like at this stage. Yeah. That's pathetic effort. You're wasting your breath. And archers kill Tyrion. Right now, kill him quick. Yeah. Few inconsistent, not inconsistencies, but I always have this problem with these. Like, the archers could have killed everyone. Exactly. So if they can, if you can, you can send one of those big, massive, thick arrows mm. through a dragon's neck mm. <laughs> from about half a mile away, mm. you can kill that, all the unsullied uh, Danny and. There's only about twenty of them Grey there. Worm. Kill yeah. them all, and it's over. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Straight away. No, we've got two episodes left. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, that was annoying me. And then <clears throat> when when yeah when Tyrion goes up and just gave this, he just put on a sad voice. <laughs> <laughs> Please. But we like Missandei. Don't, yeah, don't kill her. <laughs> you love your baby. She's just like caught her head off. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, like it was kind of pathetic. And do you know when Bran comes in? That was so weird when he came back to yeah. Jamie and Tyrion. Yeah. With the crossbow uh-huh. walked in and he was like, "I'm gonna kill you." And he punches Tyrion in the face. Then he's like, "Give me." What did he want? Uh, he wanted to give me that King's Landing. Was it? No, it was another one. It was. It was another. Where was it? High Garden. High Garden, yeah. 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 Give me High Garden or I'll kill you. And they're like, <laughs> go on, so yeah. give it. But like, 
they could just turn around the next day and be like, ah. nah. <laughs> and he's just happy enough to walk off, like, yeah. oh, I hope they're going to give it to me now. Yeah. Like, sure. I'm, although that was, that was a bit lame, but I'm still glad he's back in it. Yeah, he is good. I've missed him. He is good. And then why don't they just marry Jon Snow and Daenerys? Like, that's pretty straight up, like. I've... Danny, honestly, she's no good. She's up to no good. She's no good. She's, no good. <laughs> she's up to she's no good. good enough for our John. <laughs> <laughs> she's yeah. divorced and all the shit. I enjoyed Varys in this one. Finally. Yeah. Finally. He's, he's, everyone's like, he could be a sneak. He's going to do something sneaky. Yeah. I think he's the one, only one with a bit of brains. Yeah, but he is being sneaky, though. Mm, he is no, he, he still is being sneaky, but you're right. It, it, like the rest of us are going, we're on very side here. Yeah, totally. You're right to be sneaky. Yeah. But Danny, I swear, she's the new, she's the new villain. Yeah, she was furious, wasn't yeah. she? Jesus, what is she gonna do? Because the poor old dragon got a bait, and so he's <laughs> out of nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> that was uh, that was emotional. Boom! One minute. They are flying high. Two dragons, everybody intact. Next minute, dragon, um, arrow through its neck, and you've just got, like, cut to the next scene, and Missandri's just... And come here, what's the story with Jamie? Is he going back to be Cersei's brother, and, or is he going back to kill her? I think we're all hoping that he's going back to, like, suck up to her and then kill her. Ah. Uh, Isn't that what we're all hoping I don't know, is I was confused case? when yeah. Treadwell was like, don't leave, don't go back to her. <laughs> <laughs> you know that was very confusing. Yeah, yeah. I just had a real change of heart, <laughs> or I don't know. I don't mm. know. Again, I mean, if Carly had been had answered the phone, he could have told us. Mm. Ah, well, Carty. Jesus, we've talked about you so much on this show. Um, who was he again? Was he Jon Snow or was he? No, he he's, he was uh, Sansa. He's Sansa. Yeah. Gets better and better. Yeah, letting us down here though. Yeah, I like the Starks giving John shit as well for. For standing up to her, like that was such a family thing as well. Like it would happen in the garden. Was this this yeah, chap? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The three of them, like yeah. And I love like it's it's. They've only got a couple of episodes left, so they're smashing through the narrative. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. would have took a full season <laughs> yeah, in the yeah, past, yeah. but now they want. Oh, geez, we're tight for time here. Yeah, and they've gone. They didn't even have time for um, John to tell the two sisters. And then they didn't have time for Sansa to tell Tyrion. Yeah. Like, he tells them, then they tell them, then everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> That's it also. Such East Enders writing. Like, is, he's yeah. like, just finished with a doom, 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 doom. Someone needs to edit that in. That's the end of season. Gary. Yeah. <laughs> um, it does, yeah, it leads into an interesting episode. Any pr- predictions for next week? Uh, I've heard. <laughs> I, yeah, there's like a, a, one of those YouTube videos that they, I don't know where they hear this from, but um, Cersei dies. Oh. Um, who else? Sorry. Cersei and Jamie both die. Oh, God. And Daenerys? No. Oh, I, I can't remember. This is quite a big thing, actually. I'm totally cocking this up. Sorry. Wow. I think Cersei, Jamie, and Daenerys all die. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jesus. that's a hot take. Pat's <laughs> yeah. choking on his pen. <laughs> Killed Pat and Pat. <laughs> Pat <dies> as well. <laughs> you, oh, you'd be gutted if you died the same time as Jimmy, Cersei <laughs> and Daenerys. Nobody would give a shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, man. 
So um, much going on. Jesus, Jack is getting some absolute scoops here, isn't he? Yeah, I wish he was. Uh, wish he was available because he's the the prophet. He would actually just be like, no, because the prophecy of Valancourt says in yeah. you know book mm. three that this happened as well. Like, but yeah. thank God he's not here. Yeah, to- Shanners might have to come back. Yeah, yeah, get pissed Shanners back on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah get, get the scoop off him. All right, Need to wrap this up. I got to get a train. Yeah, that's that's plenty. Um, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Keep that in there. <laughs> right. Thanks, everybody, for your comments, questions, for listening on all your favorite apps and for watching us on YouTube. A big, big thank you to everyone that was involved in making the show this week. Paul, Fiona, Anthony and Pat. This has been Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe together with Guinness. Thanks for keeping us company. Party on. Party on. You were listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.